Hello again and welcome to Sawstock. Look at. Here's the deal. Johnny scheduled recording sessions for back-to-back -back nights and had the bright idea that maybe he'd get ahead and bank an episode for the next week. You know, like a real podcast. Then he and Charlie proceeded to spend the first half hour of this episode talking about the last episode, presumably rendering it unlistenable unless you had just heard the last episode. So here it is now. The next time a week or seven goes by and Johnny doesn't do an episode, think fondly of the time you got to in two days. Or don't. This is really a YP not an MP. Sorry about all that industry jargon. On with the show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. This is a weekly podcast sometimes. This is one of those times. Welcome to Sauce Talk. And on the other line, it's Charlie Yorty. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Johnny. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing very well. Not going to fuck around. Charlie, eat anything good lately? I have been eating a lot of Domino's. So no. I think that, I think that Paul and Bobby would be proud of me. I'm trying to keep their local franchises in business. It's become a thing because uh, I've been hosting a lot of D&D nights every other weekend, and it's just a easy go-to of people that can pick whatever like extra things they want, like chicken or um, what do they have, like uh, some kind of dessert bread knot things, like cinnamon twists or something. I don't, I don't need that shit, but I order one of them and, it, and it's all going easily by the end of the night. I didn't even check on it. And then you can get whatever kind of toppings and it's very predictable. Um, I also got an air fryer. So I made some like chicken tenders and fries and stuff in that recently. Uh, so not like gourmet or a nice restaurant or anything, but just something unique because I like cooking, getting a new kitchen gadget's a fun thing for me to do. So, uh, I was nice enough to invite you to come on my podcast, and I asked you if you had anything good lately, and you said you had dominoes and chicken fingers. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I honestly, I've had more than my share of dominoes in my day. What, where do you, what is your go-to for the dominoes? What kind of crust do you like on that? I like pan pizza with pepperoni and black olives the best. Black olives, Jesus Christ. I know, so that's a whole thing. I wouldn't eat black olives out of a can with a spoon. I'm not a monster. Again, it, it is canon on this show that it is a respectable act to eat black olives out of a can. and That, that is virtuous. If you see someone doing that, your, you, your esteem for them only grows. I don't think we came to that conclusion. You guys reported seeing it once. That's like you said, I saw a vampire suck someone's blood out once. Now that's a virtuous act. And it's just one person did it once. It might still be truly a monster. If I saw someone do that and I respected them, what other takeaway could I have? <laughs> I mean, you know, legitimate. there can be legitimate disagreements between people, of, intelligent people of good faith, right? I, I don't know. I think they were eating those black olives in good faith. I think they love them. Uh, I will also say I completely agree. I think the whole, like, Domino's, where nobody's pretending it's like great pizza, but the, the key to Domino's, you got to get that pan pizza. 
Yeah. The regular hand toss shit is it's inedible. You don't want any of that. Some people, you get that, and half the time it's got like the crust bubble that comes through the cheese and fucks everything <laughs> up, and there's like no cheese and sauce in this area. That sucks. The pan pizza, pretty good. Um, I, I like that a lot. I obviously uh, don't get. You said you get pepperoni and black olives. I mean, that's my that's my favorite, but we get, obviously, three or four different kinds, sure. and one of the people's is vegetarian, so we get at least one, maybe two of them are vegetarian pizzas. I'm really getting into the extra sauce, though. Ever since my last Chicago trip, I was like, hey, you can get that on even, like, Domino's pizza. It's obviously not Chicago deep dish pizza, but just I like the extra sauce on that, that particular kind of Chicago pizza where you get, like, tons of extra mm-hmm. sauce. So it adds something to it. I... Love ordering extra sauce on a pizza, like regardless of where I'm getting it. But it is a dangerous game, especially when you're getting it delivered. Sometimes, like if I order five Domino's pizza, so it's just like a normal week for me. Right. If I would do that five times, I will say one of those times the pizza will go in the box and it's still really hot, and like. The sauce is too much, and like all the cheese will slide around on the surface of the pizza, and it shows up a disaster. Oh, it like no. it looks like somebody already ate it and shat it back out. <laughs> it's it's a problem, but again, well, most of the time that doesn't like it's, it's like it's, I think it's a confluence of events. I think that only happens if the pizza is too hot when it goes in the box, and if there's a little too much sauce. Which is a fine line because you. I mean, I asked for extra sauce and I expect you to give it to me. But if if the cheese is floating on top of the sauce, we can't have issues. Uh, but now, according to these Domino's commercials, can't you have like pizza insurance and then like make you a new pizza? <laughs> the most pathetic concept I've ever. <laughs> Can you imagine filing a claim on your pizza insurance? Did you ever? Uh, did you ever see those commercials? You know what I'm talking about? I have seen this. Yes. I, they're like talking about it, like it's such a good thing that they would do that. And they're like, "This is a we gotta expedite this order. Someone didn't like their their six dollar pizza. <laughs> it feels like a parody to me." And then and they like go to make it right with somebody who had like recently filed a complaint, and they come there and they're like, "And so I made you this free medium pizza." And the person like g- genuinely says like, "Thank you." And I'm sitting there thinking like, if this was an SNL sketch, they'd just be like. Shrugging and like, I, I guess that's fine. Like, I don't even really want a medium pizza, and it's got very little value. It's like six bucks. We don't care. Thanks. <laughs> Whatever. You didn't really need to go to all the trouble. Yeah, there's a reason. Like insurance companies have generally not in- entered like markets that are based on covering things that cost six dollars. <laughs> it, it's just hard to give a shit about it. Right. <sighs> yeah. So. I guess in the end, Domino's, uh, pretty good. Um, let me think. What else? Uh, do you like, so you say you get these, you get some sort of cinnamon, cinnamon twist or something? Yeah, I usually get, like, my go-to side is some kind of chicken, whether it's chicken wings or, like, uh, you know, boneless chicken. or They have different things that they smother with cheese and different shit. See, the but, par like, bites are my action. Yeah. But then they have a couple of dessert things. They have like cinnamon twists, I think. That's kind of like it's kind of like garlic bread, but it's like sugary cinnamon dessert style. I also think they have like brownie bites and cookies and stuff, but I, I haven't ventured into that yet. Yeah, I don't think I've had any of that stuff. But those cinnamon, I haven't had them, 
but like a fast food cinnamon thing is usually good because they're usually like trying to stick to, like everything is secretly just fries and they're like how can right. we make this like fries and they're like well part of fries is ketchup so like let's give them some fucking icing to dip it in or something like that <laughs> right. that that icing is always fucking great that's always yeah. like just throw the cinnamon thing away and put your finger in the icing you know i have i've ordered that two times now and i still haven't had one but i now remember that you said that somebody coming over backed over to the table with the like icing cup and saying like does anyone else want any icing before i finish this off <laughs> because i got to do a like, shot you're Stat. good bro he has the last cinnamon <laughs> thing and three quarters of the thing of icing and he just goes to town <laughs> on it sounds delicious and then of course we would be remiss what is the secret. I mean, what is? It's not even a secret weapon. What's the best thing about ordering from Domino's? Is this a trick question? The pizza tracker. Oh yeah, you're the right. The pizza yeah. tracker is incredible. Now, obviously, especially, there are, there are knockoffs out there. But what, what do you especially like about the pizza tracker? When I'm in my basement drinking and I don't have to go upstairs until five seconds before yep. I get there. It's beautiful. Uh, I. I I feel like it really changed the game, and now everybody's got a version. But I feel like everybody else's are fake. I think everybody everybody else just feels like they're not really tracking. There's just like a timer and like, oh, well, right. 15 minutes went by, so we should say it's coming out of the oven. That I think they like there's like uh, the laser sights all over the fucking place at the uh, Domino's, and they can like detect the moment the pizza starts coming out the oven, and you don't get a fucking word about it until mm -hmm. that pizza's actually coming out. And when Dominique has got your pizza and it's coming, yeah. that's when you hear. Not when like, oh, well, he should be getting it. No. It's when he gets in the car. Like, there's a thing on the starter in his car. And yep. that's when it sends you the message that he's on his way. 30 minutes or this guy loses his job and we're tracking. <laughs> <laughs> this was not actually the optimal route for him to drive. So don't worry. We docked him 50% of his tip. We're just going to get it for you. Don't bother tipping him extra. Anything extra that you give him, we're taking from him. <laughs> um, so I, I, I guess I have to apologize, Charlie. This turned out to be an excellent Eat Anything Good segment. Uh, thank you for bringing up Domino's. And you should ask Paul, since Paul's a big Domino's guy, what his Domino's preferences are. It's just like I'm about to weigh in on your conversation with him about salads. Oh, God. Now, if you, if you have some anti-good salad takes, I'm going to be pretty upset. Let's go ahead. Let's hear it. First of all, what's with the fucking uh, Pat and Bill getting up in here with their Caprice salad? Get out of here. That is not what we're talking about. I was gonna, I, I'm pretty sure I did mention that like we were specifically, I think I even said non-leafy green salad. And yeah. And like I, a piece of basil, is that, that, that's a leaf. That's more than so a like, leaf. So I, I agree that that is a good salad. And like, I also, like if I get a sandwich, that's like a pre-salad thing. I want that too. It's always really tasty. But I don't, I don't think we're on the same spectrum as like, do you like ham salad? Yeah. It's like... If you have a conversation about how you like your burger, what burger toppings you like, and then Pat and Bill are like, uh, I eat steak because fuck you. <laughs> like, okay, okay, thanks. So anyway, tuna salad. I know it's not what you bring to a picnic. It's not the thing that you keep on your plate like macaroni salad or potato salad. But you guys didn't even talk about it. If you're going to talk about ham salad, let's talk about tuna salad. Put that tuna salad on a sandwich I, I literally eat two tuna sandwiches every day for lunch at work, every wow. single day. I, I make them at home, and I take it with me. Do you make the tuna salad? Yep. Let's get that recipe. Nothing's nothing really special. Just uh, bumblebee uh, albacore, or bumblebee chunk light tuna in water, drained, 
with a uh, colander so that it's like really, really drained. Uh, a little bit of olive oil mayonnaise, some salt, some celery salt, some dill, and sometimes like some, just some other spice that I'm not using up, like tarragon or something, but always just a little bit because I don't know what it's going to be like. And it's always a little bit different if you put something weird in it like that. And make sure you refrigerate it because it's not good right when it's made. It's good after it's been refrigerated. So next morning I make it, I, I toast four slices of bread, make the two sandwiches with some yellow mustard and lettuce and tomato. Uh, so many comments. First off, I love celery salt. So that's right there, that alone. That is so I just, delicious. I just blew this wide open, baby. Yeah, blew this wide open. I, I've never, I've never made my own tuna salad. Maybe that's the missing link here. I certainly, oh, wow. like, if I judged ham salad based on, like, what I would get if I went to a shitty grocery store and got something from the deli called ham salad that was, like, highlighter pink, I would think ham, ham salad was some bullshit. So maybe this is my issue right here. Uh, you're adding really good stuff to it. I also, that totally reminded me, that is exactly how I used to eat ham salad. And it would literally be toasted bread with mm-hmm. just mustard on the bread because you don't have to add the mayo and because it's, it's in the stuff. Yep. And so just mm-hmm. the mustard on that crunchy bread is so good. What kind of so bread do you like to use for these sandwiches? I use nature's own butter bread, which is basically just white bread, uh, just because, you know, it's like 60 calories a slice or something, so... Whatever. I just wanted to get like the. I don't want like any super thick bread or. I hate wheat bread, and I hate bread that has any kind of like grains on it. That's supposed to be like fancy and healthy because it actually. I think it's it really takes away from whatever you're eating when you bite down on some like, like raw oat grain or some shit like that. That's terrible. Nobody wants that. I really like, hearty, oaty, grainy bread, but not ever on a sandwich. Like I like I love like toast like that, just like plain toast or toast with jam or whatever. And that's fantastic. But I'm with you. I usually will. I like a plain wheat bread. Usually, I'm not like a white Ooh. bread guy, despite my giant potato face. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I like a, just a standard wheat bread that doesn't have like seeds in it. That's the sort of thing. But it's not pretty similar. What we're talking about here. Oh. Yeah. Is this the sort of thing like you will make on? Like a Sunday night and then half for the week, or what is your usual process for that? So I usually work from home Wednesdays. So I don't know how it would probably still be good, but if I made it for like a whole week, but I just make like I'm like two batches on like Sunday night for Monday and Tuesday, and I make two batches on Wednesday for Thursday and Friday. It sounds strong. It sounds like I, I do. I I eat some fish. It sounds like I need to make some tuna salad and then report back. It sounds like mm-hmm. this could be and also. As a, as a simple lunch concept, I discussed my, you know, deep affinity and work towards taking my lunch mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a really good fit for that. It's cheap and it's like 415 calories for two sandwiches, which I find is plenty, fills me up. You know, I'm hungry by dinner time, but I eat that at like 11 something o'clock and I'm hungry by six. Sounds great. Uh, do you have any other comments about uh, salads that you want to yell at me about uh, me and Paul? <laughs> no, you guys, you guys did a deep dive, and I, I, I think that I maybe have ham, had ham salad before, but I can't even remember for sure if I did. Uh, it was never a big thing. Tuna was a thing that I had a lot as a kid, but it wasn't. Uh, I don't know if it's just not a central PA thing or just not a thing that my family did. 
potato salad, I, I didn't realize that mustard potato salad wasn't always German potato salad. Because when I was a kid, I remember there was potato salad and there was German potato salad, which had which I thought just meant it had mustard. I didn't realize there was mustard-style potato salad and then, like, hot mustard German style. So I'm going to try some of these out, I think. Yeah, I wish I could, like, if, if, if the Wondrous Danner's potato salad still existed, I would, like, put some on dry ice and send it to you but like <laughs> nothing is worth that that i've encountered in the world since then uh-huh. um i was thinking about this i was thinking the one thing we didn't touch on in our solid discussion and i was i was lamenting the fact that our solid discussion wasn't long enough but this is great now tonight we can fix this so we can get back into it we didn't i didn't talk about how weird chicken salad is and that there's so there's so much more variance there do you like it when they put like Grapes and shit in your chicken salad? Fuck no! Are you kidding? Like, what about what about big chunks of celery? No. So you you're I think I'm with like I've had it with the grapes and the celery. I've had it with these grapes and celery. I don't mean it like that. I mean like I have had chicken salad with the grapes and the celery that I thought was pretty good. But in general, I think I want like the the finer. Yeah. Like not. I think like the big chunks are just chicken, and then everything else is much smaller. Yeah, absolutely. Who likes that shit with the grapes? No. I feel like everyone agrees with us, and yet I mostly see the shit with the grapes. People that think they fancy. Let me write down Pat and Bill. That's what you just said. (laughs) Boom. These guys are getting roasted. You know what? Another nice thing about this is, this is full disclosure. Uh, I recorded a podcast with Paul White here last night, and then I released it late last night slash this morning. And then, because we were going to record last week and it got canceled and pushed back to this week. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, I already talked to Charlie. I'm just going to get ahead. And then I'll release this podcast next week. And then I can record another one in the intervening period. And then this will be like a weekly podcast. That's how real podcasts work. They don't record them the day before they release them. But now we're like 20 minutes into this one. And we've mostly talked about the last episode. So I feel like if I sit on this for a week, nobody's going to know what the fuck we're talking about. So I think I have to release this episode tomorrow. This is about to turn into the 24-hour sauce cycle, where you always need (laughs) to keep rekindling the controversy and getting new people on to share another terrible take so that people get mad and want to come on and have their terrible take. Yeah, the news isn't even the news. It's what people think about the news. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're going to be. Charlie, tell me something else you hate about Paul White here. Wait, wait, no, actually, uh, I'd like you to attack my next guest. So oh, you yeah. So when they'll have to come on to defend themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I already, I already threw down with Pat and Bill, so it's about time for them. You know, that could be that could be the next big advance, is that we'll do, like, the three-head, talking heads thing for, on the news, and they're both yep. on yelling at me at the same time about how mad yep. they are that I let Charlie come on and say all this. I would be honored if the first double guest episode was Bill and Pat both making time at the same time just to talk about how much they don't like me, which would probably be like a four-hour episode, by the way. And I'm just like, you guys, I'm really busy Wednesday night. It'd have to, like, honestly, for me to do it, it'd have to be like 11 p.m., and they both say fine and hang up. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I I do think that uh, in the interest of keeping things going, I think this is... This is going to go out tomorrow. So feel, make your topical references, Charlie. Don't hesitate. If you want to talk about what's in the news, uh, how much you like Disney Plus, or <laughs> like your I'm thoughts ahead of you. on the first episode of The Mandalorian, get it out right now. 
I'm way ahead of you, but it's not that. I actually do have a news story that I wanted to bring up. Can I? Do it. Have you heard of this woman who got arrested for trespassing at the CIA headquarters? Nope. Let me just summarize and by asking you, can you believe this? <laughs> this woman, a 58-year-old lady from North Carolina, went to the CIA headquarters four times. First time she showed up, she walked to the visitor center, said that she was applying for a job, and her recruiter told her to come here. And when they figured out that she was lying, they told her she was trespassing, and she left. She came back, like a week later, in the back of a lift. The lift driver pulled up, and a CIA guy <laughs> asked her what she was doing there, and she said she was there to meet her recruiter. They recognized her as a woman who had already been there, so they gave her a written warning for trespassing and told her that if she came back, she would be cited. The Lyft driver drove her away. The next day, she came in an Uber saying that she wanted to I go, speak This is a little recruiter. fancier. We better let this one in. <laughs> I wonder if she thought that they were looking for a Lyft. Yeah. So if she they, 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 they saw I was looking to save $1.47 on my ride. <laughs> So yeah. they just threw me. They, they they could tell I didn't care if I got like a '97 Civic. So they knew I was just not being legit. So she showed up in an Uber and said she was there to talk to a recruiter. Since she had been getting a, given a written warning the day before, they gave her a citation for trespassing, and she left. Finally, the fourth time she comes the next day. I don't know what kind of vehicle because it doesn't say. Gets to the visitor center. Got to be Uber Black. They asked her. <laughs> They asked her where she, what she, the hell she was doing there, and she told them, she finally confided in them what the name of her recruiter was, and that's who she needed to talk to. Do you want to know what the name of her recruiter was? Who's that? Agent Penis. <laughs> this is serious. Like, she's crazy. So they ordered her to leave and asked her how she planned to get get away, because this time, or how she planned to leave, because this time she didn't, like, have a car, I guess. I don't know if she got dropped off or what. And she said she would take the bus. So the CIA guys walk her from the visitor center of the CIA headquarters to a bus stop, and they wait there until the bus arrives. And when the bus pulls up, she literally turns and looks at the CIA guys and says, do you really think I'm going to leave? And then she refused to go on the bus, and they arrested her. <laughs> Now, this whole... Oh, okay. And the reason this came up in the news, because this was over the summer. She's in the news again. Because recently, she went before a U.S. District Court judge for her trespassing hearing. And it turns out that while she was out waiting for her hearing, she was told not to go to any more government-related facilities. Correct, yeah. Stop doing that. Do you think she did? Probably not. Do you think she went to Barack Obama's house? Oh. Because she did. And she got in trouble. <laughs> she wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> so, basically, my whole thing with this is this almost feels like a psyop that the CIA is putting on to make it sound like they're not horrible. <laughs> because I can't believe that you can go to the CIA four times and try to sneak in 
and then tell them you're here to see Officer Penis, and they don't just take you somewhere with a bag on your head and disappear your ass. Honestly, that was going to be the first thing. Is I definitely thought that this would be a one strike and you're out crime. Like if you try to, if you like, I got to get into the CIA, and you don't got to get into the CIA, you made a big mistake. Yep. Like you don't, right. you don't, you don't try it again. You you go to jail or you go to the torture room or whatever uh-huh. you get. Right. And also, I mean, it shows you like how dysfunctional our political system is, though. That like the people on the ground don't even know what's going on. Like if the Senate would just approve Trump's nomination of Agent Penis, none of this would <laughs> even happen. And instead, they right. just sit on their hands and do nothing. It's bullshit. Right. She's there to get trained by the new agent that has been named by the White House <laughs> to be the new head of the CIA. And it seems like these deep state clowns won't even get with the program. She was supposed to go over to Syria and handle all this business. Now she's not ready to go. And now look where we are. She's handling zero penises right now. <laughs> uh, that, that's a fantastic story. So you say this has been like an on... I, haven't, I don't know anything about this at all. This has been like an ongoing thing. Yeah, the the thing about her going in front of the judge was just published today, but this happened back in May. What a they interviewed her public defender for the article today, and the public defender said that she talked to the prosecutors, and then she was like, she sounds like the worst public defender of all time, by the way. She said, I mean, the article makes her sound like that. The public defender says, she talked to the prosecutors and her probation officer, trying to find a way to resolve the case without a trial, but also said she was considering pleading not guilty by reason of insanity, and then said, you have to meet people halfway in obeying court orders. (laughs) (laughs) I would think that you should just obey the court order, all of it. (laughs) Not like, you're ordered not to go to Barack Obama's house, and then it's like, yeah, come on, though. (laughs) Where can I go? Come on, give me a permit and go to their house. Keep in mind that I want to do some bad stuff. So just tell me what bad stuff I can do. And I'll Meet me it. halfway. Meet me halfway. Like, I won't, like, go into his house. I'll just go out in the yard and wait for him to come outside. Is that okay? That seems like a pretty reasonable counteroffer to a court <laughs> order. <laughs> like, you guys act like you're the ones with all the power. You just get to decide what happens, and I have to just do it. Right. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry, I thought this was America. (laughs) But uh, speaking of our nation's capital, we can keep things uh, right there. The first topic I wanted to talk about, uh, do you know any any baseball teams that won anything lately? Uh, The Astros recently won the award for most signs stolen over the past three years. (laughs) Most embarrassing franchise, despite like winning 100 games every year and... No one's impressed. Everybody's like, yeah, bet you fucking did win 100 games cheating every game. They went so quickly from, like, cool underdog that rose all the way to the top and is awesome to cheating, like, domestic violence supporters. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. What it, it, it's, it, it's a shame that they won the, the, the one they did, but it does make you feel good that despite all their terrible antics that they have continually fall into defeat so frequently. That is cool. I mean, can you imagine if this just... They were so close so many times this season, if, if this this World Series, if they had beat the Nationals 
and the Nationals had their miracle run, and then the Astros still won anyway, and then this comes out right after that. Yeah. They've been just cheating the whole time. How bad is that for baseball's brand going into next season? I It's really weird. I feel kind of like baseball benefits from people not really understanding baseball. Yeah. And that it does, there is something, like, I think to a casual fan or a non fan, there is something along the lines of, well, the catcher's just putting his fingers down right there and everybody can see him. But, like, there is, first off, it's in the rules. You can't use electronic devices to steal mm-hmm. signs. But it's, like, it's, it's just such a different thing. Like, if there's a guy out on second and somebody can see something, or, I mean, I played in high school, there'd be catchers who'd have really poor form behind home plate and, like, the first base or third base coach could see in and see the signs all the way down there. That's its own thing. If you're giving the signs away, that's one thing. But the idea that, like, you've got these... What pitch to throw. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I think that this is a worse scandal than it really seems like upon first glance. And the defense of we think lots of teams are doing it is very pathetic. Yes. Uh, especially when you are the team that goes out of its way to stand out as the team that pushes every limit to the absolute greatest extent. I'm not surprised that you're the team that said, fuck it, we'll just do this more than everybody else. And who cares if it fucks everything up? The first thing I thought of was that you uh, Darvish, when he was pitching for the Dodgers against the Astros in the World Series, and it like, felt like it ruined his career. And now in retrospect, maybe that's what this was. Um, there's, there's so much stuff that's happened with this team, and I just hate their fucking guts. Mm-hmm. I wish they would move the team to Guadalajara or something. Just North they, Korea. Team. Yeah, that's where your team is now. Have a, have a good time. Uh, but hey, we don't we don't have to get mired in the negativity, Charlie. The Washington Nationals World Series champions. How does that feel? Seems fake. I want to just saying it out loud. Seems fake. It's just I was very sincere in not believing that they were going to win the wild card game. I was very sincere in not believing that they were going to not get swept by the Dodgers in the uh, NLDS. Although after that happened, I was like, well, whatever. I guess it, this isn't going to make any sense, so maybe they'll just beat <laughs> the Cardinals, which they then did. And the Cardinals looked like the worst team in baseball playing them. They had, like, what, like two hits in through the first three games or something? <laughs> what a joke. Uh, and then, and then they got more hits in the fourth game, but also went down, what, like 11 to nothing in the first inning or yeah. something like that? I forget what it was. It was really stupid. So, yeah, and then, I mean, the Nationals had to win five elimination games coming from behind. They were losing in five different elimination games during the playoffs and won every, obviously every single one of them. So, seems pretty fake. <laughs> Uh, but really good that the cheating Astros didn't like that wasn't even enough of an edge to win when they had two chances to eliminate the Nationals. So fuck them. Yeah, uh, I I think like it's hard to point to like a more impressive run. I think it has to be considered the most impressive playoff runs anyone ever had. Anyone's ever had. Everybody talked about last year's Red Sox, but. And you can debate whether or not you should get so much credit for this, but it's so much harder to win the World Series if step one is win the wild card game. Uh-huh. Like when you tack that, and obviously they were in there because they had to be in there, they didn't choose to be. But then to go and to, first off, you have to win this game, and then the Cardinals were one of the lesser playoff teams, but the uh, the Dodgers and Astros 
honestly, historically great teams. Yeah. Uh, if you really step out, like most years, they either one of them would have been easily the best team in the majors. And so the fact that they beat both of those teams in the same year, it's an absolutely insane run. And it's crazy to think about how easy it would have been to not do this. Like you look yeah. at all these teams that like don't even really push in and try, especially when guys are getting close. If after last season, the nationals had just said, you know what? We're going to lose Harper. Strasburg's only got one more year. We ought to just see what we can get for him. And instead they're like, you know, it would be a good idea. Instead, let's, we have a pretty good team. Let's try to get better. Maybe we'll have a good run. And then Steven Strasburg goes and wins the World Series for you. That's pretty yeah, that's fucking like, good. This uh, White Sox guy at my work who always has all the best takes was telling me how they should trade Scherzer when they were 19 and 31 and get get prospects and start rebuilding for yeah. a couple of years from now. And I was like, yeah, maybe they will, but I kind of don't think they will because it's never been the Nationals' like mo to tank really hard to build. They like to they build from the uh, uh, draft, but they also like just have you know when they get good players, they just kind of coast and try to get people to come to games. You know, they I don't think the Nationals feel like they have enough diehard fan base to tank all the way back down to where they were, like you know, in two thousand like. 10, 11, 12, and they were, like, really garbage, and still be able to, like, get anyone to come to the games, because it's already hard enough to get people to come to the games when they're good. They need to just have faces of the franchise and be good, and I think that's why they made Harper such a generous offer, that they did not... They were one of the least needful teams at outfield, and they still tried pretty legitimately to keep Harper. Mm -hmm. uh, way overpay for him, even beyond what he deserved, and... Uh, super beyond what they should have been paying for an outfielder when they already had all these other guys. So they want to have faces of the franchise and have a good brand, not be tanking and, and horrible. And I like that. And I like that they got to beat the super tank uh, Astros. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like what it means to be a fan of a team or a sport and what it means to have a good season. And I, I think that we've just gotten all fucked up with all of this. I think that we so like and you're the worst person I could possibly talk to about this, but I think that we we so overstate the idea that like winning a championship is what's good and everything else is a failure. And that most years you won't win no matter how good your team is, especially in baseball. Like in basketball, if you have the best team you're probably gonna win. But honestly, even in football, but certainly in hockey and baseball, all you can do is try to have a really good team and see what happens. And most mm -hmm. years you won't win. But you don't have to win the World Series to have a good season and enjoy your team. And I feel like we've gotten so into that mindset that it kind of wrecks things. And that's how you get to places like, well, we should just trade fans who say we should trade Scherzer and Strasburg because we're not going to win with these guys. And, you know, it's. You're, the whole point, I didn't think we were here just to watch a team win the Rolling Series. It's fucking fun to watch Scherzer and Strasburg pitch. It's, yeah. Any time, even if the rest of the team sucks, if you have those two guys on your team, boy, two games out of five, it's going to be fun to watch the Nationals play. Mm -hmm. And now you see stuff this year, where like the Red Sox are thinking, we got to trade Mookie Betts, and hear all of this stuff about the Cubs talking about trading Chris Bryant. It's like, these teams... Watch those guys lead their teams to World Series. These are the most popular guys on the team. It's not fucking fun enough to watch Chris Bryant play baseball. And we got like, boy, if we get some prospects, just think one day 
maybe one of those guys will be as good as Chris Bryant. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I know. Isn't that the stupidest thing? Like, yeah, you know what you should do? You, these, again, and again, if you're totally out of contention, then we can talk about it. There's definitely like only so much value you can get out of some of the stuff if your team is no good anyway. But these are like the the Cubs were like, sure, they didn't make it, but they were right on the cusp of the playoffs. It should be entirely about how can we reload this team, get yeah. stuff back there. Same with Betts and the Red Sox. And instead it's like, well, you know, this isn't how we maximize our championship window, so we're not going to worry about it. And so maybe this is an advantage from a fan perspective of rooting for a team like the Nationals that does feel pressure to put a reasonable team out there and to put faces that people recognize out there. Whereas the Cubs and Red Sox are like, well, these fucking idiots, they're going to show up and buy all our damn tickets no matter what we do, so let's just trade all our most popular players for guys they've never heard of. Well, you guys, we got... Three two-win players, that's as good as a six-win player. It isn't. It's not from a, an analytical standpoint, and it's not from a fan standpoint. Nobody wants to watch. I'm not – who? just some fucking schmo, three of them out there who do pretty good, when mm-hmm. instead they can watch Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. And you got to watch them do everything, and that's, that, that's the real apex of being a fan. You didn't have to go through the, well, we just you know traded everybody off four times in a row. And then uh, got to win. Like you got to watch these guys go through the whole thing, and it's too bad that Harper wasn't there for it. But also, it kind of makes the story even more interesting that mm-hmm. Harper and Strasburg were tied together in this way. And then it didn't take Harper leaving for them to win, but that is how it happened to shake out. Mm-hmm. And they got to watch Juan Soto grab his dick every at bat. Juan Soto became like the third most famous baseball player. That was pretty cool. Howie yeah. Kendrick alternated between being the best player on the team and the worst player on the team from game to <laughs> That's game. That's true. He alternated every inning between <laughs> batting and fielding. That was so much, and it's that is a like I feel like the, the playoffs were like a microcosm of his career because he also like two years ago was seemed like he was about out of baseball, mm-hmm. and then this year he's. He was amazing, and he was so good all season. And then in the playoffs, he's like, I can do that same thing just in the playoffs. Just in, like you say, in one game, I'll just flip back and forth. In one inning, I don't know how to play baseball. In the next inning, I'll just win the game for my team. We're going to have three fielding errors at first base, <laughs> and we're going to be losing. And then I'm going to hit a, I'll be the second player in Major League history to hit a grand slam in extra <laughs> innings. It was a great run. And also, like, as I've gotten older, I have got, I've, I've been less in touch with like individual teams, uh, and like just rooting for one individual team. Especially here, it's just I'm not as much of a a Cubs fan. But then this this was like the value of doing that, because like I knew they weren't the favorite or anything. But going into the playoffs, I was like, man, it was sure would be cool if the Nationals could win. I'm going to root for these Nationals. And then mm-hmm. it's like, damn, team I lose, team I choose is the first fucking one to lose in the playoffs. And then all oh, they snuck through, but who cares? And then. <laughs> Gonna get pressed by the Dodgers, so I guess I picked the wrong. They just kept doing it, and one day they won the World Series. Yeah, and it, it was crazy. fantastic. It was it was a great time to just be able to step into that. I'm sure it, it still meant a lot more to you than it did to me, but I got a lot of enjoyment out of this team. This is one of my favorite teams that I have watched for the small amount that I did watch it. So, really like those Nationals. I'm gonna be sad if they don't resign Rendon, even more than Strasburg, honestly. But I, I'm going to miss if, – if either leaves, I'm going to be – I'm going to miss him. Yeah. It's, it sounds like they I – mean, I mean, what have you heard about, like, their intentions? Do you think they hope to get both? Do you think they'll be happy with one? What do you think? 
I think that they're they're going to try to get both. They were willing to spend so much money on Harper. I think that they're serious about like you guys are new the new faces of the franchise plus one Soto, I guess. But like you are the guys that we want to pay and keep and give you premium premium money. But I mean, if if Anthony Rendon wants like three hundred million dollars, I don't know if it's doable. And if uh, Strasburg wants like a crazy long term, I don't know if they'll be able to do it. Because some stupid team probably will give them each of them the bat if they really want it. Uh, but I also, I, I don't know, Strasburg seems like not granky weird, but like weird enough that it kind of, like the fact that he signed that like early in the season extension. I was going to say, ago, he signed a weird extension with this team before, so. So like Scott Boris is probably like, you have to opt out so we can get more <laughs> money. And he's like, fine, but just fucking sign with the Nationals again, whatever yeah. happens. And the Nationals will be like, okay, you can have like, two more years and five more million dollars a year or something, and he'll just be like, okay. I'm, I'm hoping that it's something like that. I don't know about Rendon. He's probably going to get paid, like, insanely, so I don't know. That's the impression I get as well, though, is that they both those guys are going to get real good-faith offers to stay. Yeah. And that if and that that are legitimate and not just token offers, and that if they can, and that and it's not going to be as soon as one of them takes it, the other one's off the table. I think that right. if if both those guys want to stay, they're going to be able to do it without you know giving up significant money. But that's not to say they're going to get the highest offer from this. Team. Right. But I mean, that's that's more than most fucking the Cubs are just trying to trade Chris Bryant. So I mean, more than half the teams in the league can say, and Washington has to worry about getting people to come to the stadium. I know. Fuck the Cubs, man. How about that? <laughs> hey, that's enough of that. Let's get on to a happier topic. Charlie, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week? Sauce Andalus. Tell me more Do about I... Sauce Andalus. Sauce Andalus. It's a, a sauce that is traditionally made to go with Belgian fries or Belgian frites. Uh, and I believe it is named for Andalusia, which is the southernmost, like, region or province of Spain. That's just, like, where, you know, Gibraltar is. And I believe Andalusia was the or the very last Muslim state in the Iberian Peninsula before uh, the total Reconquista. So it was also called Al-Andalus. So... Uh, I believe I read that Andalusian sauce is totally misnamed because it's not from there at all. It's It might be from Spain, maybe, but it also might just be from, like, southern France. And it's it got the name Andalusian sauce because it had, like, spices in it, and it was, like, a little a slightly bit spicy. It has, like, it's just, like, all it is is, like, mayonnaise, diced bell pepper, tomato paste and like onion and lemon juice or something. So it's just like a, just like a mayonnaise sauce for fries, but like racist French and Belgian people in like the Renaissance said, Oh, it has like spices in it. It must be from some crazy ass <laughs> Muslim people from like North Africa. So where's the closest place that it might've possibly come from? It must've come from Andalusia, the last Muslim stronghold <laughs> in the Iberian Peninsula. It's literally, it literally has no connection to that place whatsoever. It's just, that's the name. It might as well just be called Muslim sauce. <laughs> anyway, I like it because of it's, it has what I just described in it and you're supposed to dip French fries in it and it's super easy to make. But it sounds fancy because you can be like, 
hey, do you want this stuff with your french fries? It's sauce Andalus. And you're like, oh, shit. This guy must be a professional chef. Nope, just mayonnaise, <laughs> basically. It sounds great. I feel like a general familiarity here, but I, I can't say that I know that I've had this. I've probably had something similar. I also... Where where do I know the word Andalusian from? Um, I don't know. So it's it's that southern part of Spain. Let's assume I, let's for the sake of argument, let's assume I don't know a ton about the history of the Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> uh, I, is there is there, is the word Andalusian in a song or something? Probably. Like you can see the I'm not googling anything. I'm I'm legit here. I don't I feel like I know this word in some sort of silly context, and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it might, there might be something that you'd be familiar with, but I'm off the top of my head. I don't know anything more. Well, like, we'll leave this open to the group. maybe somebody out there is like, "Oh, Johnny's the dumbass." It's in this. They might be giant song. They talk about the Andalusians or something. It feels like I, that sort of thing, but I really can't place it. Yeah, I'd be interested if anybody knows. Yeah. I don't know. But either way, Charlie, that's a fantastic sauce. And also, it's nice in that most of the time, like, no criticism, no shade towards anybody. But I, I've thought, you know, how long-running can the what sauce are you bringing to the table concept go on? We are going to need some slightly deeper cuts. Not that this is, like, the deepest cut. But no. this is a deeper cut than, like, Charlie's here to say he likes to eat ketchup. So, <laughs> I was just going to say, somebody's got to say ketchup at some point, like... <laughs> Nobody out there be like they gotta one up my mayonnaise sauce because we gotta get through the ketchup mustard, you know, ranch dressing. So and and also like for future guests, don't be afraid, you know, split hairs. I think ketchup and spicy ketchup, different. Like we can talk about each of those. Right, like curry ketchup and it's ranch dressing. I think I if somebody comes on and wants to talk about ranch dressing, I think we we I'd like to hear a specific like formulation or uh -huh. where you got it or if it's from a grocery store what the name on the bottle is we can break this stuff down so you're right we can go on with this forever even if we don't always have sauce and to lose i want to hear that i want to hear the ranch dressing episode and i want it to get real specific yeah let's see this is what episode 63 does that sound right maybe i've got that here where'd it go that sounds. That sounds like I might be right. Uh, yesterday was sixty-three. Today is sixty-four. Here is the proclamation: episode sixty-nine, all ranch yes. dressing talk. Nothing yeah. but the entire episode devoted to ranch dressing. I'm writing it down right now. If anybody wants to volunteer to be on the all ranch dressing episode, let me know. But I'm not going to wait. If no, I don't get any volunteers. So I'm going to sell somebody. You're up next, and then I'm going to record an episode. And when I start, they're gonna be like, "Huh?" No, I'm not gonna lie. Ranch dressing, huh? I I, I want to advocate right now that episode sixty nine needs to be like ranch dressing crossfire with more than one guest. Now i I could try to do. I could try to interview everyone in the league about ranch dressing, not at the same time. But you're saying crossfire like I have two guests at once. Oh, yeah, at least two guests. At least two guests. And just screaming at each other like an episode of Crossfire. with You can't hear anything. And one of the guests should probably, like, I assume 
Bill and Pat will want to shit on when Grant's dressing. Of course. And then I guess White Hair and Huber are probably the biggest proponents of Grant's dressing. Would you consider yourself an especially strong? Hell, okay. I, I would say yes, yeah. Okay. And then is there anybody, so that feels about, and I feel like the others probably more towards the middle. Is there anybody else you think might be at one end of the spectrum? I would uh, guess that Artman would be ambivalent, where he would be, because he's just a gentleman, and so he would put himself in not a complete asshole, opinionated state. He's a person who appreciates food, but probably also doesn't like just talk shit about ranch dressing for no reason. No, I could be wrong. I don't want to put words in his mouth if he doesn't like ranch dressing or really does, but that would be my guess. I bet Artman would be very nice and smile and be like, I got to get off this fucking podcast. What are you talking about? Minute three of ranch dressing. I wasn't ready for minute one. And I'm like, yo, Dave, I got 65 more minutes lined up. <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Dave thinks it's great. I bet he doesn't, though. So, But, again, if you're out there, I'm not committing necessarily. I don't know if I can record two people at the same time. That oh. Polk, let me know if I can do that. We'll but, have to do it live then. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Okay, that's a good point. I'll just have. Well, I, only, I can. Rec- I can definitely record me and another person in the same room and someone else. So someone will have to volunteer to come to Minneapolis to do the uh, episode sixty-nine ranch dressing episode, and then we'll call a third person. I think we need six people to just come and stay at your place and <laughs> do a seven-person roundtable discussion about ranch dressing. I'm gonna. I, I think there's a lot of angles. I'm not. I, yeah. I've got, I'm going to start taking notes right now. This is going to be, like, I said that. I started like, what episode is this? And I was going to say, maybe we could get to 100. I, who fuck, I don't think we're going to see episode 100. I think we're going to see episode 69, though. Yeah. So, uh, I think that that could be one where we really, really blow it out and enjoy. And then also, I, we're finally here. Let's see how we're doing for time. Oh, we're doing fantastic. Our big topic, it's just very in line with what we've been discussing Already, I want to talk specifically about spices. Uh, let's just start easy. What are your, like, let's say three or four go-to spices that you really like? Either you see it, like you're at a restaurant and you see it on the menu, you're like, ooh, I'm intrigued. Or you're at home and you're like, I got to pep this thing up. What are you like first, like first thoughts? Ooh, I'd love it if I could add this. And you're considering you could add this spice. Mm-hmm. Well, since talking about sauce Andalus didn't make me sound like an asshole, I'll mention that my number one go-to, if I'm trying to make something wait, a little wait. bit more than usual, would be herbs de Provence. God, I was trying to stop you. I was writing that. Please continue. Yeah, yeah. I know. I knew I know. you were going to yep. say that. I yep. 100% uh-huh. knew that's where you were going there. Because while it sounds extremely fancy, it's just a really simple blend of a couple of herbs. So it's really just like, instead of adding basil and whatever the hell else, rosemary? No, I don't think that's an herbs de Provence. Basil and parsley and something else, I think. It's just already cut up and called that. So, but those are all good herbs to add to like chicken or pasta or whatever you're making. Um, I tried turmeric more than I ever used to because I saw it on The Urban Vegetarian, which is a TV show. I don't know if you've ever heard of that since you're a vegetarian. It's like you just get like the 
the vegetarian zine that comes out to all vegetarians. They so they're always on the same page. I got to get on this mailing list. It sounds great. I'm not familiar <laughs> with it. Uh, it's got a very uh, just playful, cute chick that just like is just cooking up stuff and making some like you know smoothies and whatever. And so she she pointed out that turmeric is fat soluble. So if you put like olive oil or something in a pan and you saute vegetables and put in turmeric, the turmeric like melts or whatever, or like, you know, it becomes one with the oil and it adds a lot of color and, and flavor to your food. So I, I've tried that a few times. I'm not a big eggs person. Uh, I'm so I'm the opposite of, of Paul and Rebecca that way. I wish I was more of an eggs person, and sometimes I like eggs, but usually I have eggs, and then, like, I don't want them again for, like, months. But that, adding turmeric to make, like, an omelet with a bunch of sautéed vegetables was pretty good, I'll say. Uh, true story. I used a turmeric bath bomb Saturday Ooh. night. I bet you were food. delicious. Oh, let me tell you. They say that shit's fat-soluble. They're not kidding. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't really know what that means But yeah, those are it. really good choices uh, I, I was thrilled that you went with Herbs of Provence there I knew you were going to say it uh, But it, it's so good I, It's exactly as you described uh, Several years ago uh, I made some chicken dish that had it in it And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is I gotta go get it I'm sure it's so fancy And then you get it and it's just, it's, it's lovely Mm-hmm. It's very easy. Um, I wrote down just a couple my go tos. I love cumin, and oh, I do. I like that a lot. Too. That is very much like to the point that Gina will sometimes make fun of me because it's like if I'm making something, it didn't quite get to the flavor profile I wanted it to. The last five minutes of cooking are just Johnny adding cumin to it until it tastes <laughs> like he wants it to. Uh, that's always my thing. I also love smoked paprika. Ooh, it can it can tend to overwhelm if you're not careful, so I do have to take my foot off the gas a little bit mm-hmm. with that. But uh, a lot of times, uh, even something like chili or whatever, if there's like a flavor I'm not getting there, I like usually will think, oh, mm-hmm. this is what will get me to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I wrote down, uh, Trader Joe's has a lot of interesting spice blends and stuff, and they have an a uh, umami blend that's oh. very like mushroomy. That I like a lot, especially now that I don't eat meat. You get that that meaty flavor without necessarily just dumping a bunch of mushrooms into your dish, which I also like to do. I eat a lot of mushrooms, but uh, you don't always want to just say this dish is half mushrooms. Now that that umami blend will get you there. Um, what is your spice situation in your kitchen? That's funny that you asked that because I was just thinking about that this evening. Uh, so I have a bunch of spices and I have two spice racks, but I basically just threw a bunch of stuff on there and like didn't plan it out. And I have a lot of stuff I never use. So it's like, God knows if it's okay anymore or if it tastes as good as it's supposed to. But I was just thinking about how I hardly ever actually finish off anything except for herbs of Provence, which I then overuse and have to buy another one of. Cumin sometimes I actually use up because when I use it, I use way too much, like you were just saying. Yeah. But today I finished off a little thing of celery salt for making all this tuna. I don't put that much in or anything, but I've been making it for so many like months basically in a row that I finally actually used up all the celery salt that I bought some years ago probably. Because I only started making the tuna sandwiches for lunch 
uh, you know, over the past few months, I guess. Um, I have a bunch of other spices and stuff. I don't think I have a... I have a bunch of doubles of things. Like, I have two things of turmeric, and, like, I'll often have two things of parsley or something by accident. So I don't have an exhaustive cabinet of spices or anything. Uh, or do you keep them... How are they organized? How do you access them? Are they just in uh, on a shelf in a cabinet, or what have you got? It's it's a spice rack that's supposed to be on the wall that's just leaning against the wall underneath a cabinet, like on top of the um, uh, uh, counter. That's one of them. And then the other one I actually properly mounted on the wall. Okay. And then do you have special jars, or do you just use the containers the spices come in? Just the do you in. have issues with them being different sizes? Are you ever frustrated by yep. the difficulty of access? They're at least fuck. I just I I know I've said stuff to the group as a whole before about my displeasure with my spice situation in my kitchen. It is it remains unresolved. I eventually like so I right now I have like a couple of large shelves and not an especially convenient area of the kitchen. But it's not terrible, and I can get over to them. But it's hard to, like, you can only see what's in the front. And the second, the ones that are above, it's hard to get to. And so I've long wanted to organize this. And honestly, I am more than happy to not, I don't want to spend an extravagant amount of money, but I am not looking for, like, a free or super inexpensive way to fix this. I want a permanent solution that I like. And I haven't come to it. I eventually, I was at a Home Goods and I bought a bunch of little glass jars. Yeah. And I thought this will be perfect. And then I got them home and they have like the metal claw grasp lid thing. And they're just, they're weird. And they don't, the mouth isn't big enough. And... They also only had like four different colors of like rings around the top. Which isn't enough to differentiate even close. I, somehow I have more than four spices, you guys. And a uh, little rich boy over here. And they, uh, so I took a Sharpie and wrote what the spices were on them. But that like instantly rubbed off. And then I still didn't have a good place to put them. And so it's now, honestly, as I've been emptying those spices back out, I'm just throwing, I'm just recycling the jars. Uh, because I don't want them anymore. And so now I'm back to square one. I've achieved nothing. Like I said, I I want something consistent. I want all the jars to be in the same sort of thing. I've looked at the people like the fridge things, the fridge magnets. I've thought about that. You see that sometimes. You're like, they have the, the jars that have the screw-off lids, and then on the other side it's a magnet, and you can put them all on the fridge. And then it'll just say, like, oregano and you pull the magnet off and screw the top off and you do it I don't know I, I want it to be everything at once because I both want uh, the shaker top but I also want the ability to take the thing off and like shove a teaspoon in it to measure it out mm-hmm. so I, I want something that's everything to everyone and I'll spend some money but not too much and I have to be able to access it from anywhere I don't think it exists I, I've honestly looked at so many Pinterest boards and DIY websites and nothing has come especially close to like I'm I'm happy to devote like time to this as well but I can't find what I want 
and everything I look at just seems like junk. And the one time I bought something, I confirmed that it was junk. You know, you need to interview Dave Artman, I think. I bet you he has I know Dave Artman's got some perfect answer. That's what I, I'd be like, hey, Dave, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket, and you're coming mm-hmm. out to record a podcast. Don't worry, it's not about ranch dressing. <laughs> and then when he gets here, we do the podcast, and I'm like, okay, now we got some spice work to do. we got to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. When he gets off, comes out and gets in your car, uh, some thugs in the back seat just throw like a burlap sack with a Hidden Valley Ranch logo on over his head. <laughs> <sighs> I love it. Um, Charlie, do you have any other thoughts on spices? Any other spices? Are there any spices you really dislike? Anything you avoid? I hear something in a recipe, you're like, oh, I don't want to make this anymore. If I put too much paprika on something, it just instantly ruins it. I can do a little... It's got to be blended with other stuff. But if I just, like, overdo it, I've, I've overdone it before on a chicken, and I was like, this is gross. Uh, I didn't know I could overdo a spice, but that, that definitely bothered me. I bought these star anise to put in with rice because I saw some Gordon Ramsay thing about it. Mm-hmm. Not sure I like it that much, I, actually. I just don't like the anise flavor, even a little bit. Uh, so I still have to try to work through those. I think I'll try to get a taste for it before I give up because I bought a lot of them. Are you talking about like the whole star? Yep. So yeah. just put it in with the rice while it cooks and then whatever. One time I made some curry with some of those and it was very good. And they're like bay leaves and you go in and get them at the end. I mm-hmm. missed one and I fucking bit into that thing and it was oh, no. poison death. Yuck. Oh boy, <laughs> it was a bad time. I was like, I, I thought I put two in but I put three in and I didn't find that last one and it was it was a rough road to hoe, my friend. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think that, uh, would you say spices are underrated in general? I feel like I, I think people should be more excited about spices. I mean, it's the fundamental thing that you need to develop an understanding of, I think, for cooking. The really simple things about cooking are like, cook something for this amount of time, make sure it's cooked. Like, that's just easy. Uh, Making something taste good at the end of the day, though, is basically like knowing what spices... Well, you know what two foods go together with each other, but that's also pretty easy because we've all gone to restaurants and had side dishes, so we kind of know that. But then the one thing you don't know is, oh, I'm going to make chicken. Well, I can cook chicken, sure, but then when it's done, what does it taste like? Well, did you what did you, did you, what did you put on it? Did you put, like, tarragon? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know because you don't, that's the one thing you need to learn about. So, yes, and I think uh, I would like to get a lot better understanding of what spices to use on things and how much. I think that I, I've gotten a lot better at cooking, and a the biggest thing I would point to is, as you say, like, I think to me like what cooking is and what being better at cooking is is, is using spices and figuring out what you like, and then but most importantly, tasting something and thinking, why why isn't this what I want it to taste like? And, mm-hmm. th- and I know that the real answer is because I didn't pour ranch dressing on it. That's but if, true. if we can take one step back and say, well, maybe I should add some different spices and not just pour ranch dressing on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think where I really got better at this, weirdly enough, is when I lived with Babs and Warren. Mm. And me and Warren, over that winter cooked like chili every three days for the entire <laughs> winter 
and we just made batch after batch, and it, it was great. But then that was very much like, and we would be cooking a crock pot, and often for like a whole day, and it very much got to be a thing where we would taste it, like coming down the stretch and being like, how is this going to continue to change? And also, what, how do we get this from where it is to what we want it to taste like? And I think kind of taking those lessons and thinking about that, no matter what I'm making, and like, and also just the concept of how the most important thing you can do when you're cooking food is like continue to taste it and see if you like it. And that I didn't used to do at all. I used to like make a meal and then sit down and like now I'll find out if this tastes good. And that's how you fail at cooking because the answer is you probably did everything wrong. And so tasting everything as you go and then just trying to think about what, why isn't this what I want it to be? Or is this what I want it to be? And I should go sit back down and stop fucking with it. Another thing I love to do, just like, oh, I'm supposed to be spicing it now. And I just throw some more shit in the pot and then now I've over seasoned it and it's terrible. So there you go. I recommend if you're if you want to improve, I would say go hang out with Warren Mulkey and make like f- literally thirty pots of chili with him. I mean, if he's available, I'm down. There you go. So, so you've made your your intentions clear. He can reach out to you. You guys will have a great time. Uh, he's speaking, a, probably okay. a loyal listener, right? I, I believe Warren has started listening to the podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. What up, Warren? What up, Warren? Indeed, but now I don't know where Warren. Like, I don't know. I got actually. I got to take that back. I can't put it on Warren to come on episode sixty-nine and talk about ranch dressing. That's entirely too much pressure. It would be horribly unfair that he'd have to show up for that. I don't know who's. Who do you think is up for the task? I maybe it should be a solo episode. Maybe I shouldn't put it on anyone. I'm scared. I, I feel like I'm building it up too much now. Have a schizophrenic conversation with yourself about ranch dressing. Be the seventh time this week. Um, Charlie, I've had a great time talking with you. I think there's time for just one more segment. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? I uh, did the bourbon trail for the fourth time a couple weeks ago. I recommend everybody that wants to go to drink bourbon and have a very cheap vacation and go down to Kentucky and go to some distilleries. And among those... uh, I went to one I hadn't been to yet, which was Willet, which I think maybe you told me about at some point or somebody talked about. Uh, it's so much better than I realized. Yeah. And the, the booze was better, and the place has a really cool upstairs bar where they make, like, these really nice cocktails. Uh, they're, like, city prices, so that's, like, $12 a cocktail. But $12 a cocktail in central Kentucky is, like, the best cocktail you could possibly <laughs> ever get, and it, they were amazing. It's, it sounds great. I've always wanted to do that. It sounds like a really fun trip, and like you say, probably not the most, you know, breaking the budget. You probably go stay in like some sweet uh, bed and breakfast stuff. Is it that sort of thing? I mean, I got an Airbnb, which is even better because then you, you have a party house. <laughs> yeah, sounds like we need to see if some nerds that listen to this podcast want to do a Kentucky Bourbon Trail trip next fall. That would actually be really nice. Uh, I I support this concept. Where in is it? Is it near a city? Where is the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky? So it's really there's no such thing as a really the Bourbon Trail. It's just a. I thought you were going to say there's no such thing as a city in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, that's a medium true. Uh, the so the biggest the two places that you would want to center on are Lexington and Louisville, which okay. are city, it's cities kind of. 
the one the distilleries I like the most are Four Roses and Woodford, and now Willet. Four Roses and Woodford are both Eastern Kentucky near Lexington. Uh, Willet is out toward Louisville, as is Jim Beam and the place where they make Bullet. I'm not as excited about those, so I don't care as much about being near Louisville. Um, but there are some other cool places in Louisville. Angels Envy is in downtown Louisville. I think Four Roses now has a second distillery in Louisville. So basically, if you do it, it's probably easier to just stay near one or the other and not drive all over if you don't want to do like a hectic trip. You want to do more like go to three distilleries between nine and one o'clock, have lunch, and then go back to the Airbnb and drink bourbon and play board games for like six hours board game slash PSBR, that's where you're at. And since I just drive every time, I just drive down from here. It's like an eight hour drive. I bring all my, I bring all my shit, you know, I bring like my PlayStation and I bring like board games and I have everything, you know, that you want to hang out and just have a relaxing time. That sounds amazing. Is there a way to get around or do you just like drink all this booze and just drive to the next place? There you have it. That's what you do? Well, you know, I mean, when you go to do do tastings and stuff, it's not like you really drink that much. Okay. Uh, and that's the other thing, though, is then you go home at one o'clock, and so that, maybe so you do really two, just maybe three. Yourself up, yeah. Yep. You go home and then you drink. Yeah, and you're like, you know, I remember which one's good. I'm going to have a whole bunch of that now. Yep. That sounds you wonderful. Go. Yep. Uh, I also have a plug. My plug is get a really good pair of flip flops. You ever have a, a really good pair of flip flops, Charlie? Those look pretty good. They're not. They're not. Okay, I could only. See I mean, the they're they're cheap. They're fine. They hold up well. I have those uh, Paris Saint Germain flip flops that I wore at at the uh, uh, draft. Mm -hmm. They're pretty good. They're actually they're really inexpensive and they're actually pretty good quality. This sounds like this is just that sort of thing. This is a thing I had for a long time and I didn't appreciate until I lost. I got a nice pair of Chacos, which are like very good flip-flops slash sandals, and I had them for probably five or six years, and then uh, I always thought, oh, I just have these good sandals, no big deal, and then when I was in South Carolina in September, I had them on my feet, and I walked into the ocean, and I became a Jimmy Buffett song, and I blew out my flip-flop. <laughs> and it was totally lost. It could not be repaired. And I was oh, very no. sad, and then they were gone, and then I was like, I got to get some more flip-flops. And I just bought some, like, shitty $12 flip-flops. And I just discovered, like, how much I relied on those others, how much those Chacos did for me, how much, like, they're, they're, I can put them on easily without, like, I could just slide my feet into them. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're still very supportive. And then, like, how much, like, oh, I gotta go take the trash out, and I put my flip flops on and walk out, or like, oh, there's a, I got, I ordered, I'm a bad person, and I ordered my Domino's for the seventh time, and I gotta go out the front door and pick it up so I can meet him and tell myself I'm not fucking over these delivery drivers mm -hmm. and all this stuff, and so then I didn't have the really good flip flops, I just missed them desperately, and so then I ordered some more on Amazon. And they were garbage. They were still no good. And then I went back to the Chaco's website, and they discontinued my flip flops. Oh, and yeah. then everybody, and then all the reviews were like, 
this new one they have to replace it is bullshit. And they listed everything I loved about my good Chacos. And they were like, well, this new one doesn't satisfy them anymore. So I ordered another pair on Amazon, and they were garbage. Oh, no. But then I finally, I ordered from a company called, I don't know if it's Tiva or Tivas. I got some Tivas flip-flops. Uh, like middle range for them. They do nicer ones as well. Much better. So much more supportive. I don't think they're going to last as long as my last. The last pair, legitimately five or six years, which is great. These are never going to do that. But also they cost like half as much as those. But I I think that it's a small expenditure. And then you really notice that, that that additional quality you get there. And a lot of things I don't think you do. So I'm on the Tiva's website now. So which, which ones are good? I have these. Okay, so they have the, do you like the thong in the middle for your toe? I, do, I don't like slides. I don't think they stay on my feet well enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, uh, if anybody is out there listening with their wives or girlfriends, feel free to, you know, have them step away. I have particularly thick feet. Nice. And so I, I, the slides just don't really work for me, but the, the thongs uh, do really well. So that's the only style I really consider. Okay. I'll have to take a look at this website. Yeah, I think you can do very well with us. Um, at, uh, I believe that's all we've got. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. I've had a great time. Thanks for having me. I, I always have a good time when you have me on here. You're welcome, everybody. 